with us. Um, I'm super excited about the new sermon series coming up. Um, let's grab coffee. And so I'll be having different guests with me throughout the sermon series. Uh, that starts next week. It's really going to be focused on discipleship and how do we walk this thing out called Christianity, right? Maybe you uh, have heard of Christianity. Maybe you know about it. Maybe you've even been a Christian for a while. But how do we walk this thing out? It's through a process called discipleship, and that's what this new sermon series is about. So I hope you can make it back for that. Today I want to talk to you about Back to Life. The glorious, the glorious news of Easter. Guys, the glorious news of Easter is not that Jesus died on a cross, although he did. He did, and we'll talk about that a little. The glorious news of Easter is that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. He rose from the grave. He is not dead anymore. Death could not hold him down. The grave could not hold him down. They couldn't keep him there. They killed him, but they couldn't keep him there. He was too strong. He was too holy. He was too worthy. And he rose from the grave. He came back to life. And this is the invitation that's extended to every single one of us. Everyone that walks the earth, there's an invitation that we walk in the newness of life with Christ. We don't have to live the way that we live. All right. I get so excited. We are going to be talking about the single greatest moment, the single greatest moment in all of human history, the resurrection. It is, it will be, it will always be, there will never be another moment. Even when Christ returns in the heavens and the clouds, it will not be as great of a moment as the moment that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It won't be better, I'm telling you right now. And the greatest string of events all of Holy Week leading up to the resurrection. This is it. This is the pinnacle of humanity's history. In eternity, dateless future, when we are in heaven, 10,000 times 10,000 years, there will only be one recorded thing in human history that exists in heaven. What is it? The nail prints in Jesus' hands and the, the spear hole in his side. The only human things that will last for eternity. The marks of the resurrection will last forever. This one day that we celebrate today, it, it, will, be, it will be recorded in the heavens and it will last forever. We will always remember what Jesus did. Revelation chapter 5 talks about the vision of heaven and they see Jesus and he looks as though a lamb that had been slain. Slain from the foundations of the world. Maybe we'll get that, that today. Come on, Jesus came back to life. I just want to walk you through the events. Every Easter, I've always preached the, these messages and I've always focused more on the cross. Today, I want to focus differently. Today, I want to focus on the resurrection and what it means for us. I want to focus on this single greatest moment, the resurrection, that Jesus came back to life and what it means for us. Yeah. So let's just do a quick summary of where we came from from last week. Palm Sunday. The crowd gathers. Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And they begin to lay palm branches on the ground. And they're welcoming him into Jerusalem. And they're crying out and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Savior, save us. 
save us. You can save us. You're going to save us. You will save us. And they are giving glory to Jesus. They are making him king. This is why they're laying palm branches on the ground. It's not just cool because, you know, there was palm trees around. They are making him king over their lives. This is what happened last week, Palm Sunday. In the days following Palm Sunday, we read in Matthew's gospel and Mark's gospel that Jesus found himself in the town of Bethany. Matthew's gospel says he had dinner at Simon the leper's house in the town of Bethany. This is the village where Martha and Mary lived, where he rose Lazarus from the dead. He went to Bethany. He knew what was coming. He knew the cross was coming. He had been telling his disciples, I'm not long for this earth. I'm going to be turned over to the hands of the Jewish leaders, and I'm going to be crucified, and I'm going to die, and in three days I will rise again. He knew it was coming. The disciples may not have known that it was coming, but he knew that it was coming. And in the days that he knew that his death and his departure from the earth was coming, where did he want to be? He wanted to be with friends. He wanted to be with those who were close, Martha and Mary and Lazarus. Thursday of this past week, we had small group here. And it didn't even occur to me until we sat at small group. When I said to the small group, I said, hey, tonight would have been the night that Jesus gathered with his disciples and had his last supper. Tonight would have been the night where Jesus shared those five chapters that we read out of the Gospel of John. It's, it's stunning to me that John, in his Gospel, writes about the Last Supper, and he puts in five chapters of the conversation that goes on. That's a quarter of the book that he wrote. It's a quarter of the Gospel of John dedicated to the conversation and the events that happen at one event. Guys, the Last Supper. Is it a little bit important? Is it a little bit important? Yeah. Glory to God. Oh, I've got these. I don't normally do. Glory to God. After the Garden of Gethsemane, Scripture tells us that they leave that place and they go out to the Garden of Gethsemane where they had the Last Supper. They leave the Last Supper, they go out to the Garden of Gethsemane, and they sang a psalm, probably Psalm 118. And they're singing the psalm, and they come to the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus comes here for this prayer meeting. He knows what's coming. He knows, he's, he knows Judas has already departed to go turn him over. He knows that they're coming. He, he probably has a timeline in his mind. And he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And as is his habit with every single other thing that he's ever had to face, he goes to prayer. He goes to God in prayer for what's about to happen. It's his routine. He does it all the time. It's no different. It may be the hardest thing that he's ever faced. It may be the hardest thing that anybody on the planet has ever faced, but the, the routine is no different. We go to God in prayer, and we get the title deed to victory before we fight the battle. This is what Jesus did. He prays the prayer, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. He comes back. He finds his disciples sleeping. He goes and he prays again. He prays the same thing, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He comes, he finds him sleeping again. He goes and he prays the third time, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And then he prays this prayer. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus wasn't strong-armed to the cross. He willingly went there. He said, no man takes my life from me. I willingly lay it down. He said, I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. Come on. 
This commandment I have from my father, Jesus said. (laughs) Before he ever engages in battle, he wins the victory in prayer. Most likely sometime after midnight, they show up to arrest Jesus. The events of Good Friday, there's an early morning trial. Even while it's dark, he's brought to Caiaphas' house. He's put on trial. They bring false witnesses. They accuse him of things that he's never done. They say uh, false things about him. There's no truth in anything. There's no evidence of anything from Caiaphas. He goes to Pilate. From Pilate, he goes to Herod. From Herod, he comes back to Pilate. They're all passing him around. Nobody wants to take responsibility. Nobody wants to claim him guilty. But the Jewish leaders of the day, they want him dead. Pilate's in a tough situation. There's been rebellions in Jerusalem. And his job is on the line. If there's one more rebellion, if there's one more outbreak, if there's one more problem... Pilate's probably out. As a matter of fact, if we look at history, it tells us that Pilate would lose his job in another year or two. So Pilate's trying to do his best to stop any kind of an uprising that might occur. So he's trying to make this party happen. He's trying to make that party happy. He's trying to make everybody happy. And that just can't happen. Jesus is severely beaten. If you've seen the Passion of the Christ, we don't have to talk about that. He is condemned to death, death on a cross. We have this symbol, this cross, and they're all over the place. We talk about it. We see it. But the cross is not just a religious symbol. It's not just the symbol that Jesus rose from the dead. The cross was a place of execution. The The cross was a place where they sentenced people to die. It's like having an electric chair hanging on our wall. When you saw the cross, it meant death. By 9 a.m. Friday morning, Jesus is nailed to the cross. From noon to three, there is darkness over the whole earth. Darkness fills the earth. 3 p.m., Jesus cries out, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Here they are. They are actually killing Jesus. And those who have sentenced him, the the high priest and the leaders that have sent him there, they've gathered to the foot of the cross to watch what goes on. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And even while they're killing him, he forgives them. He cries out. He says, it is finished. He breathes his last. He gives up his spirit. There's a great earthquake. The rocks are split in two. The veil of the temple was torn in two, top to bottom. The centurion centurion standing nearby cries out and says, surely this was the son of God. Surely this was the holy man. Surely this was the son of God. Joseph of Arimathea, along with Nicodemus and a few of the women who had gathered at the cross, they come and they take the body of Jesus. They wrap it in linen clothes and they take Jesus' body and they bury it in a new tomb 
and they sealed the tomb with a large stone. It was late in the day by the time they had buried Jesus and they didn't have time to apply the spices and the ointment that would normally be applied. For the sun was going down and it was the Sabbath of Passover, which is a holy day where they couldn't work. They bury Jesus and Saturday it's silent. How could this happen? What were, what were his disciples thinking at this moment? What happened? How could this happen? Something went wrong. Something went dead wrong. What more could have been done? What more could have been done? I can imagine Peter. I drew my sword to defend him, and Jesus told me to put it away. He told me that I would deny him, and I did. I can only imagine that this was probably the longest Sabbath day of their life. This was the longest Saturday of their life. He was supposed to be the one. He was supposed to be the one to change everything. What's going on? How did this happen? Where do we stand now? They didn't understand. We read in the Gospel of Luke, as they walked on the road to Emmaus, they said to Jesus, who was Uh, veiled from their understanding. They said to him, we thought that he was the one. We thought that he was the one who came to change everything. And now what? Now what? Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, After the Sabbath, after Saturday, as the first day of the week, Sunday, began to dawn, right at sunrise, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord had descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. And his countenance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as the snow. And the guards shook for fear of him, of the angel, and, he, and the guards became like dead men. Something happens in the spiritual realm. God sends an angel from heaven to roll back the stone from the tomb for it's time for Jesus to come back to life. It's time for the resurrection to happen. And the angel comes and the angel sets his foot on the ground and he begins to roll that stone and there is a great earthquake. The earth quakes, the earth moves, the earth shakes as the spiritual realm impacts the natural realm. The spiritual realm has power over the natural realm every time. Every single time, the spiritual realm can control the natural realm every time. And this is what we see. There's an earthquake because something's going on in the spiritual realm. The angels descended from heaven. The angel sets his feet on the ground and rolls that stone, and the earthquakes. Hallelujah. It's about to happen. It's about to go down. The guard shook for fear. His countenance was like lightning, clothing as white as the snow. The guards fall down dead. This Sunday morning following Passover, it's known as the Feast of First Fruits. The Feast of First Fruits. And so Jesus Christ was the first fruit of those who have risen from the grave. And if there's a first fruit, 
there's going to be a second and a third and a thousandth and a millionth. He was the first fruit, and I'm another fruit, guys. I am a fruit of those who have risen from the dead, no longer to walk in darkness, no longer to walk in sin. I walk in victory because of what Jesus did. And the angel answered, the women came to anoint the body because they didn't have time to do it on Friday. The women come to anoint the body of Jesus, and the angel answers them and says to the women, do not be afraid. This is always the first thing that an angel says when, he, when, he, when you see them because they're terrifying to look at. Nine to 12 feet tall, possibly with swords in both hands. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is not here. He is risen just as he said he would. He rose from the dead just like he told you he was going to do. You didn't understand it, and he did it anyways. Your understanding, your lack of understanding doesn't mean that he won't operate anyways. He operates in, in spite of our lack of understanding. We have no idea what's going on. Even after the angel tells them, listen, he rose from the dead. They're walking down the road and they're telling this stranger in Luke, they're like, we don't know what's going on. The angel just told you guys, listen up. He rose from the dead. Hallelujah. He has come back to life. He has come back to life. Come and see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will be see him. Behold, I have told you. Hallelujah. He's risen from the dead. Come and see the place where he lay. And now go and tell the disciples. Go and tell the disciples. This is good news. You can't be more excited than anything than you are about this. Jesus rose from the dead just like he said. The plan rolled out just as he said. He's not dead. He's alive. There's one scripture that as I prepared this week, it just kept hitting me, and I couldn't shake it, and I didn't put it in my notes because I didn't know what to do with it, but I want to share it with you this morning, and so what I did was as I'm preparing for this week, I read every single account from the moment that Jesus rise, rose from the dead, from the moment that Jesus rose from the grave, from the moment that Jesus came back to life all the way until the end of the story. I read those accounts. And I read them over and over and over and over again. Probably read them six or seven times this week. Two stories that I couldn't shake. I'm going to share one of them with you this morning. It's the story of Mary Magdalene. She was one of the women, one of the women who came to anoint the body of Jesus. And she sees the angels and she's weeping. And she's weeping. And the angels say, go and tell the disciples. Go and tell the disciples that he's risen from the dead. And he's going to meet you in, in Galilee. Go. And she's weeping. And it says in the Gospel of John, it says that she turns and she looks and she sees someone. And she supposed that it was the gardener. She believed that it was probably the gardener. She probably couldn't see because her eyes were filled with tears. Her hair is probably crazy because she's very upset. 
The angels are asking her, why are you weeping? She sees who she supposes is the gardener. It's Jesus. She sees who she supposes is the gardener, and she's weeping, and she's weeping uncontrollably. And Jesus says to her, woman, why are you weeping? Watch the language. He says, woman, why are you weeping? She's weeping uncontrollably. And she responds to him, and she says, if you've taken my Lord... If you've taken him, if you've hit his body, please just tell me what you've done with him. Because I don't know what happened. He wasn't supposed to die. He was supposed to change everything. And now he's dead. And now we've lost the body. She's beside herself. And Jesus can't restrain himself any longer. Jesus is hidden, his, hidden who he is from her so that she can't tell. Just like he did on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus turns and he says, Mary, Mary. He calls her by name. He calls her by name because when he called her name, she knew it was him. She jumps up. She grabs Jesus. She says, Jesus. To which he responds and says, don't cling to me yet for I haven't ascended to my father, but go and tell the disciples that I will meet them in Galilee. This was very personal for Jesus. This was very personal for Jesus. So many times we read the story. So many times we come on Easter, we hear what happened. We hear the story. We see the cross. We talk about the empty tomb. We talk about his death, burial, and resurrection. And we, we, we talk about it and we see it from an antiseptic point of view. It wasn't antiseptic for Jesus. It was very personal for him. He had your name in mind when he died on the cross. He had your name in mind when he gave it all at Calvary. He had your name in mind. He did it for you. He did it just for you. If you were the only person in the world that would accept Christ because of his death on the cross, he still would have done it. He still would have ended up, he still would have done it. It wouldn't have changed his mind at all. Not for a second. He wouldn't give him a second thought. Whether it's one or 10 or 10,000, it doesn't matter. I'm giving it all because it's personal for me. It's personal. He loves you. 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 He did it for you. Jesus gathers with his disciples and he says to them, thus it was written, thus it is written, thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem and you are, are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Jesus gets together with his disciples and said, hey, listen, it had to happen just like this. It had to happen this way. It couldn't have happened any other way. This is the way that it had to go down. There are 327 Old Testament messianic prophecies concerning Messiah. 327. Jesus fulfilled every single one of them. 
The Messiah comes, he had to be born in Bethlehem. Messiah comes, he had to be called a Nazarene. Messiah comes, he had to come out of Egypt. Messiah comes, he has to be baptized uh, in the Jordan River. Messiah comes, and he had to do this. Messiah comes, and he has to heal the blind guy. Messiah comes, and he has to heal the lame man. Messiah comes, and he's got to heal the deaf man. Messiah comes, and he's got to bring the dead person back to life. Messiah comes, and he's got to suffer. Messiah comes, and he's got to have stripes on his back. Messiah comes, and he's got to... Every single one, 327, he fulfilled them all. What are the chances? What are the odds? What are the odds? They're astronomical. They're astronomical. If even to fulfill just 48, this is, this is astounding, even if just to fulfill 48 of the prophecies that Jesus, of the 327 that Jesus did fulfill, Right, odds are one in a million, one in a billion, one in a what? The odds are one in one followed by 157 zeros. A million has six zeros, a billion has nine zeros, a trillion has 12 zeros. We're talking one out of one followed by 157 zeros. Only to fulfill 48, not the whole 327. How did they come up with this number? Are you kidding me? It's absolutely, completely, and totally impossible except by God. Come on. Come on. It had to happen this way. It had to happen this way. Oh, my gosh. The stone which you have rejected has become the capstone, the cornerstone. Yes. Jesus. Guys, listen. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, guys, listen. It had to happen just like this. There were women there too. Church, listen. It had to happen just like this. I have this problem. I call everybody guys. So, Church, it had to happen just like this. And here's what we do next. Up to this point, it's been great. I mean, there was a terrible moment there. You guys, hope, I hope you're over it by now. Here's what we're going to do next. Here's the plan. Here's the plan moving forward. What do we do now? Here's what you do now. Everything that I've shared with you, go share it with everybody else. That's the plan. Why have I been here for three and a half years? Because I had things to tell you. And now I'm going and I'm sending the Holy Spirit. Remain in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Why? Because you've got to go and do what I did. Wait a minute. I know how that ended. <laughs> Glory to God. You've got to go and do what I did. Go and tell everybody what I told you. I wasn't just telling you for you. I was telling you for all of them. And now you know. It's in your heart. Go. Tell someone. Jesus changes your life. He changes your life. He brings us New life. Take the message. Bring it to others. Maybe somebody invited you to church today. Maybe you got the mailer and you came. No matter how you got here today, I want to let you know that Jesus has made a way for you to come back to life. Jesus has made a way for you, every one of you, no matter who you are, no matter what your name is, no matter what you've done wrong, Jesus has made a way for you to have new life to have this new life that we're talking about. He did it for you. 
Jesus' death on the cross, and more importantly, his resurrection from the dead, it means new life for you. It means new life for all who would call upon his name. Jesus died and rose again. He paid the price for your sins. With our sins forgiven, we can be assured that we'll go to heaven when it's time for us to leave this earth. And that's not even the best part. <laughs> we talk about heaven, we talk about eternity, and that's great, and I'm, I'm thrilled. I can't wait to get there. The Bible tells me that heaven's better than here. And so when COVID came down, I'm like, sign me up. I mean, I'm not going to get it, but if I get it and I die and go to heaven, I win. I win. I'm not, I'm not looking to die, but I'm ready to. Heaven's better. Heaven's better. We can be guaranteed of it. And that's not the best part. That's not even the stinking best part. We get to live in the kingdom of God right now. We get to live in peace right now. We get to live with joy right now. We get to live free from stress right now. We get to live free from fear right now. We get to live free from anxiety right now. We get to live in the freedom of the kingdom of God right now. Right now you can live like that. Right now you can have relationship with God. Right now you can talk to eternity dateless past God in heaven who created the earth and the seas and the, and, the, and the galaxies and the stars and everything. That God, you can talk to him right now. Right now, today. Today is, this day of, today is the day of salvation. You can have this new life right now. This is why he came. This is why he lived. This is why he died. This is why he rose again. This is why he did what he did, so that you, all of you, every one of you, can have new life. Romans 6 says this, as many of us, as we're baptized into Christ, call ourselves Christians, as many of us as we're baptized into Christ Jesus, we're baptized with him into his death, Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, came back to life by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Here's the good news of Easter, guys. Jesus came back to life, you come to new life. You don't have to live your old life. You don't have to live your life of the flesh any longer. Live free from sin. Live free from fear. Live free from oppression. Live free from anxiety. Live free from every single thing that the world wants to throw at you by living with Christ. Hallelujah. This is the good news. Listen, this is, I'm telling you what. I've got joy that the devil can't take. I've got joy that the world can't snatch away from me. I walk in joy every single day. I am the happiest person I know, and I'm not bragging. <laughs> because I walk with Jesus. It's not anything that I've done of myself. I don't even deserve to be this happy. But I am. 
And so I celebrate it, and I'll tell you all about it, and I won't stop telling you about it because I want you to be this happy too, and you can be. Glory to God. Amen. We should walk in this new life. We should all walk in this new life because it's been paid for. It's already been paid for. It's already been paid for. If I were to tell you, hey, I bought you a new car. You go up the street down here, go into the Honda stop shop, talk to Fred. I don't know that there's a Fred there. I'm making the story up. <laughs> don't, don't get too excited. This is a parable. <laughs> hey, go on up to the Honda shop up here. I bought you a new car. It's paid for 100%. Um, there's a gas card. You swipe that. You pay for your gas, bring it back for oil changes, maintenance, whatever, insurance is paid on it. All you got to do is go get the keys and drive it. It's paid for. It's done. All you got to do is drive it. And then you don't go and get the car. <laughs> Guys, it's paid for. It's paid for. He paid the price for you and for me. And the price was great. One special car. The price was great. The price was his life. Jesus paid the price with his own blood. He paid the price for you. He paid the price for me. The life of the one and only Son of God. He poured out all of his blood. He poured it out for you. He poured it out for me so that we could be forgiven of sins, so that we could live in relationship with God right now. Right now that we can have joy and peace in this earth today, today and every day moving forward. How do I do that? Pastor Matt, how do I do that? You know, I mean, I prayed the prayer last year and it's been rough. You know, I've got no peace. I've got no joy. Listen, show up to church. Listen to some encouraging words. Get around some people that know Jesus. This is what our next sermon series is going to be all about. How do we do it? Let's grab coffee. We do it by connecting with one another. How did the disciples know what to say? Because they had walked with Jesus for three and a half years. You prayed a prayer and you thought it was going to change your life. It's the walking with that changes your life. And so I want to invite you to walk with Jesus. Walk with us, myself and everyone here, as we figure this out. This is what Lots Grab Coffee is going to be all about. It's about how do we make this joy part of our life? How do we make this no longer having fear, no longer having anxiety? How do we make that part of our life? Let's grab coffee and find out. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. If you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, faith comes from the heart. Faith doesn't come from the mind. We don't have to understand it all. We just have to believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for my sins, and that he rose from the grave. How did it happen? I don't know. You know, I'm still trying to figure this out. I ask myself this question as I'm preparing. I'm thinking, like, how did Jesus rise from the dead? Was it the Holy Spirit? Was it him? Was it the Father? I don't know, but I know it happened. I have this faith. I have this belief. I don't have to understand with my mind in order to know with my heart.
If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. You will be sozosed. The word there in the Greek is sozos. It means to be forgiven of your sins, to be healed of your sicknesses, and to be delivered from evil oppression. That's the salvation that we're talking about. It's not just, yes, heaven, but also all of this. Don't miss out on the this. I want to invite you today, everyone who's hearing my voice, whether you're here in this room, whether you're watching with us on live feed, I want to invite you today into this new life with Jesus. I want to invite you today to walk this new life with Jesus. Walk it out. Maybe you've never heard this message before, and this is the first time. Maybe somebody invited you here. There is nothing that would make uh, all of us more happy than for you to follow Christ today as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here, and maybe you've prayed this prayer before, and things just didn't go the way you thought they would when you'd prayed the prayer. I want to invite you to pray it again. And I want to invite you to begin to walk this thing out with us. It's an invitation to become part of what's going on because we're chasing after God and God's showing up and it's awesome. We have joy. We have peace. God's doing amazing things here. It can be yours today. What would, what would prohibit you from wanting this new life in Christ? It's paid for. It's paid for. There's nothing you, do, you can do. You can't earn it. I don't deserve it, but I got it. Why would you not want it? Don't wait until, listen, if you're thinking, I just need to get my life in order before I come to Christ, that's like waiting until um, the blood drains out of your body and you stop bleeding before you go to the emergency room. No, you go to the emergency room because you're bleeding and they stop the bleeding. Come to Christ because your life is a mess and he will help. He will help. If you're here today, I just want to pray. I want you to pray with me. Say, Jesus, come on, everybody pray it with me. Whether you've been saved uh, 30 years or you've, you've never been saved before, you've never prayed this prayer before, I want everybody in the room to pray it with me. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, that you would come into my heart, that you would help me to live for you all of the days of my life. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross, that you, that you were buried, and the third day you rose again, and you are seated at the right hand of God. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer and you just started your walk with Jesus, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I'm going to ask you to do two things. Number one, I want you to check the box on the back of your Engage card, it says, Today I follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time. The Bible says, we just read it, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. You check this box, you are confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is your way of telling me. Secondly, I'd love for you to come and tell me personally. This is not, um, this is not a mandatory thing. You check the box, I'm going to send you some information uh, that describes the decision that you've made and what it means, and we are going to rejoice 
if just one sinner rejoices, the Bible tells us that there is more joy in heaven than 99 just persons gathering together on an Easter Sunday morning that don't need repentance. Amen. Second, uh, also, if you are here today and you want to recommit your life to Jesus after, following, after walking away, I want you to check that box too. Maybe you've been walking out this thing called Christianity all on your own. I want to invite you to check that box and, and you know what, just start to show up. Start to come. Be part of what's going on here. Be part of the small groups. Get together with some of the people here that, you, that invited you here and uh, gr- grab some coffee. This week, I will trust in Jesus. Will you trust in Jesus this week? And this week, we get to live from the kingdom. And this is what we were talking about all day, guys. No fear, no anxiety, no oppression, no oppression, joy, peace. This is the kingdom of God. And when you're in the kingdom of God, you live from the kingdom of God. We live in joy and peace. No fear because we're in the kingdom. It's not because I'm oblivious to what's going on. I know well what's going on. But I live from the kingdom of heaven in the earth. Amen. Amen. Have a great Easter. Pastor Tom, come receive the offering this morning. I love you guys. And we will see you next week for Let's Grab Coffee.